This is an Onami podcast. Hello, growers. Welcome back to the pod. Hope your week is well. We're back with another solo episode, but today I'm answering your questions. You wrote to me on Instagram and YouTube asking about things you're struggling with right now or going through right now. And uh, I'm here to see if I have anything to offer you on the subjects. So let's get into it. Life, babies. Let's talk about it. Ramey, what questions did we get from our lovely audience? Yeah, so I'm going to be reading you the questions. Mm-hmm. You've never seen them before, but not. I'm going to start with a pretty intense one, if oh. that's okay. <laughs> All right, let's jump in the deep end, Ramey. So this person wrote in... What is your advice on dealing with anxiety and depression? I feel like that's very relatable. Yeah. Yeah, that is relatable. It's hard to give advice on anxiety and depression like blanket, you know, like one size fits all because I think all of us kind of have specific circumstances and yeah, all of us have specifics to our life that are leading us to this anxiety and this depression. However, it does seem to be a pretty universal thing that all of us deal with. I mean, I for sure go through bouts of serious depression and times of feeling very anxious. So advice for getting through it. I'll share a little little about my life. Like, I was very blessed growing up where I didn't realize that I had never experienced depression. I had experienced sadness, but I didn't experience depression until I was 25. And... Previous to that time, I would have answered this with all sorts of easy, you just do this, man, glass half full, count your blessings, be grateful, remember that life is wonderful, right? All these things that are true, but don't actually apply to when you're really working through depression. When it finally hit me, like a fucking bulldozer, when my parents got divorced and like my whole structure of reality was crumbling around me and I fell into a depression. I said, oh, this is what people were talking about. And none of these simple quips apply. What does apply is that I think you need to assess if there's a really appropriate reason for you to be depressed at the moment. I think that's a type of depression. Like, Going through a major life change, like my family imploding in the way it did, I realized like, oh, I'm depressed. And that's like the appropriate emotional response to this situation. Like, yeah, I'm depressed. This is depressing. Like, yeah, my entire reality is reorganizing itself right now. And it hurts and it's hard. And yeah, so I kind of realized like, this is actually an appropriate response to life. And since that time, I've gone through different phases of depression. (sighs) And there are times where it feels like an appropriate response to a change or a trauma or whatever. And then there are times where it feels like, ah, I'm just fucking stuck now. At one point, this was a response to something that was occurring. But now I'm kind of stuck, like I'm looping on this depression, and I can't seem to find my way out of it. So advice to get through it? Man, I don't know. It's messy. Depression and anxiety are different. Depression is one thing. Anxiety is another. So I'm, I'm really talking about depression here. But it's messy getting through it. One thing I will say is you can 
and you will get through it if you keep trying and if you keep just being with your feelings. It's nonlinear healing from depression. You might feel great for a couple weeks and then it might come back around and you might still be working through that thing from a few years ago. And you've really got to bring yourself a ton of grace and compassion and really get real about what it is you're feeling. Oftentimes, like I I said at the beginning of this rant, we have all specific reasons for feeling this way. But if you boil it down, chances are it's a really simple phrase like, I feel alone, or I feel not good enough, or I feel scared. Like, chances are your depression is, is rooted in some core statement like that. And we intellectualize it. We judge it. We're like, no, but I don't really, I'm not really alone. I'm blah, 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 blah. It doesn't matter. That's the feeling. I feel alone. And sometimes those feelings, like, take a year or two to work through. Sometimes they take five years to work through. We, we really like to think we're nice little emotional robots and can, like, Oops, I had a big breakup. Oops, my parents got divorced. Oops, this person I love died really suddenly. Like, well, that's over now. I felt sad for a moment and now I shouldn't be depressed anymore. It's just not how it works, man. Like when these things happen to us, like it changes our base connection to life. Like something is rearranging in us. We feel a little less secure. We feel a little less safe. We actually have to develop and integrate new ideas about ourselves and the world now that these things have happened. So it's, I just feel so much compassion for people who are struggling with this stuff. And I just want to encourage you, I don't know how you're specifically going to get through it, but I just want to encourage you to get through it and to believe that you can and keep showing up to your own feelings and, and keep trying. I felt like getting through depression was equal parts just being in it and getting through the day and really bringing my scope of life down to like moment by moment. Sometimes you got to do that when you're depressed or super anxious. Get the future out of your head. Get next week out of your head. Literally bring your life scope to right now. What am I going to do in this next hour? What am I going to do in this next half hour? What's one thing I'm going to do today, right? Like sometimes you just got to pull your scope way, way in. How am I going to feel these feelings right now? So it's equal parts that, just pulling the scope way in and sometimes just being messy and like binging TV for a fucking week and just being a total slug and just like sometimes that's part of getting through depression. And then equal parts when you have a little bit of motivation to confront it, to seek help, to try, hit up your therapist, hit up your friend, ask a family member for help, whatever that looks like. Literally admitting to someone, because how often are you going through like a big fucking depression and no one in your life knows? I've done that. We're like in person, uh, people wouldn't know. I'm fine on the surface because I know how to keep it all clean in public. But then I get home and I'm just like, I can't even see straight. Like, I'm sad. (laughs) So it's a mess of things getting through it. You got to eventually like tell some people, hey. I'm actually like hurting a lot right now and I'm confused by it and I don't want to be. Yeah, it's such a big thing for so many people. But you do have to get through it because life's beautiful and it does open up again. It really does, man. Just kind of know that too. Life comes in these beautiful, painful, ridiculous cycles. 
So if it feels like you're going through a big downswing, I mean, I feel like I had seven years of that, truly. Like seven years of not of life contracting. And no matter any time I got a little bit of progress made, something else would knock me down. But then life breaks through, you know? The sun breaks through the clouds. Summer comes. The weather gets warm. And, and if you keep your heart open enough and you stay connected to the things you love enough, you keep a little fire burning in your soul, in your heart, you know, things that you love. What do you love? What lights you up? What makes you feel good about the world? If you stay connected to those things enough, it'll open up again, you know? And I'm sure as shit, something else is going to come along and kick my ass back down to the ground again. And I'm not looking forward to it, but, uh, <laughs> but I'll get through it. And when you do get through these times, you end up kind of stronger. You end up bigger. And for some people, I know, look, I'm going to get comments. For some people, I know there's like clinical shit. There's chemical shit. That's not the depression I'm, I'm talking about, right? If it's chemical, if you've been diagnosed, if medicine helps you, great. That's great. But like I've been asked before when I was going through my depression, like in a form of support, like, do you want to get on a little bit of antidepressants? Like, do you want to? And for me, I never wanted to because I was like, like I said, I was like, no, like this is my life. Like this is me working out how to get through my life. Like I don't want to rely on a pill to help me through it. I want to figure it out or I want to feel it out. But that's just me. I, uh. Yeah, like that's just how I approach it. I do not judge other people for not doing in that way. And some people I know it's straight up chemical and the medicine actually is balancing things out and helping. So yeah, I don't know. That's such a big question. It's really hard to uh, uh, answer. I will say about anxiety though, some anxiety, man, you just got to fucking push yourself through. I hate that advice for certain things and for mental health things. Like just be strong, brother. But some anxiety, man... There are so many times in my life where I'm super fucking anxious about something, but then if I just put myself outside of my comfort zone a little bit, it's never as bad as the anxiety told me it's going to be, and I actually end up stronger for doing it. So some anxiety, man, you really, if it's changing your behaviors, if it's stopping you from living the life you want to live, I don't know how, but you just got to fucking do the things. When someone invites you somewhere and you really want to go, but then you feel anxious about it, go. If you said you were going to be somewhere, if you gave someone your word that you're going to be somewhere and then your anxiety right before you go is preventing you and then you don't go, it's going to make you more anxious because confidence is having trust in your own word. And so every time you let that anxiety prevent you from keeping your word, you're actually going to end up more anxious because you're not going to trust yourself. So yeah, dude, if you give your word to people that you're going to be somewhere and then anxiety is trying to stop you, go to that thing. Go to it. You said to life, yes, to this experience. Life might be trying to bring you something that heals you in that experience. Like life, you said it. You said, hey, life, on Monday, I said yes to this thing next week. And life said, cool, we're, we're setting it up. This person's going to be there that you're going to talk to and it's going to be great. And then right before you go, you're like, oh, no, I'm fucking anxious. I don't want to go. And then you've just like prevented your own journey because you told life, hey, open up this experience for me. And then you shut it down. So yeah, if you're anxious, the, one of the best things you can do, I think, is at the very least follow through with your word. And that might mean getting good at saying no to things then. If you know you're going to bail on something, then say no right up at the top. You will actually be able to trust your word more. 
You gotta start building that slowly with yourself. A lot of anxiety is about feeling unsafe or unsure of oneself or the world. And you can only build that like moment by moment with yourself. And it starts small, but it can really grow. So yeah, make your yeses be yeses and your noes be noes. And uh, I just empathize with all you going through it because man, it's really, I, I get it. I'm a super sensitive, emotional person. And when those things are taking over in that kind of fear vibration in that uneasy vibration, man, it can prevent a lot of awesomeness for you that's like ready for you just when you can step outside of that comfort zone just a little bit or feel those things a little bit deeper. Whew. I blacked out. What did I say? <laughs> I love it. Can I add one thing I learned from therapy? Yes, please. Because I have anxiety really bad, and my type is that my thoughts will spiral. Yep. And so one thing that really works for me that I think could maybe work for this person is this visualization technique where instead of the thought, I visualize a stop sign right in front of my nose. And I think about the color, the texture of the sign, like trying to get off of that spiraling thought pattern and just onto that like safe thought pattern hmm. has really helped me a lot. I love that. Um, and it's like very practical. Like every so single practical. time it's happening, visualize the stop sign. And you really look at the details look of it. Look at the details. Get... Imagine the shape, mm -hmm. the color, everything. And then it's it's kind of like doing a brain push-up. Like you have to get off one neural pathway onto that other one. So that's amazing. Thank you for offering that. I love that. Yeah, because a lot of the anxious patterns, they are these neural patterns. It's actually the, you've created such a groove in your brain that it's the most efficient path for you now because you've done it so many times. Oh, here's that thought again. Here's me not going again. Here's me getting, and yeah, you literally need to create new neural pathways and that's really cool. I love that. That's a super practical one. So you hear that? Visualize a stop sign. <laughs> okay, next question. Okay. This is from Jersey Girl. How do I confront my family that's trying to force me for years to find a boyfriend? Whoa, what? <laughs> the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck? I need so much more information about that question because like, what? Your family's trying to force you to find a boyfriend? Such a weird. I feel like it's when you go home for the holidays and your family. Yeah, they're like, like, "Where's your husband? Aren't you progressing in life?" <laughs> and maybe you don't even want a boyfriend. Maybe you want a girlfriend. You know what I mean? Uh, here's what I'll say: oh, boundaries. This is a conversation about boundaries. We grow up. We're kids. Our family. Our parents. Our parents are the authority in life when we're children. They are gods to us. Like truly, we don't consent. We don't intellectualize that, but like, they're it, man. They're everything. And then we start to form a little bit of an identity in our teenage years and we get a little individualized, but our family, we kind of, sometimes, sometimes we don't get to become an adult in our family. Sometimes we hold ourselves because our family does in the adolescent stage. Your family, your parents continue to see you as their baby. And then you reinforce those patterns by feeling anxious about what they say, wanting to please them, all this shit. Because that's how it is when you're an adolescent. Part of maturing and becoming an adult, and it's something I know for a fact many adults have never done. I know 50-year-olds who still feel like a fucking teenager around their parents. But at a certain point, at a certain point, Jersey girl, you have to decide for you your boundaries and your own individuality as an adult. And you need to set yourself free. You need to liberate yourself 
from your family's expectations. It's a messy process. It's a process of identity and drawing boundaries with family can sometimes get heated, man. It can get heated, but if you can effectively draw boundaries with love, it actually can create more space and respect and intimacy in the relationship. So let me try and give an example. My mother raised me very well. Her voice, at a certain point in my 20s, I realized whether she reminds me of it or not, her voice is in my head already. How she raised me to think through things and process information and check, you know, my safety, if I'm right, it's already in my head. But now, now I need to find my own way. I need to learn how to listen to my own heart and my own intuition. And so her voice is now a part of that, but I need to find my way. So what would happen early in my 20s is my mom would like check me on something and speak in such a way that I'm sure you feel where there's kind of this pressure this expectation, this guilt, this shame, this you're not doing what I think you should be doing. And I realized I am not going to engage with that anymore. I can't. It is stunting my growth. It's stunting my ability to feel free. It's stunting my power. And so I had to draw those boundaries with my mom many times. And sometimes it was ugly. It came out ugly. Like, I, of course, I want it to be like, you just say, hello, mother. Uh, I will not be engaging with your guilt and shame anymore. I love you very much. I'd love it to come out like that. But usually it comes out a little more emotional. Hey, fucking back the fuck off. <laughs> but I did have to ha have this conversation with her multiple times of, hey, I love you. I know this is coming from love, but it's fucking me up. Like, I cannot engage with this anymore. Guilt and shame does not help me grow. Your weird pressure expectations on me, I cannot hold it anymore. It's not healthy for me. So either we find a new way to relate to my life because I'm not a kid anymore. Now I'm an adult. I have to find my own way. I have to form my own decisions and like, I'll ask, I still want the support of my family. That's the hard bit is like, you feel like if I draw these boundaries, I'm going to lose the support of my family. Maybe for a time, but it's about like changing. They need to think of you as an adult, not the kid. Kids do need advice. Kids do need that little bit of pressure to maybe do things more right, you know, because adults know more. When you're a teenager, you're a fucking idiot. And like, I know I was. And like, so that kind of parenting makes sense. But at a certain point, you need to decide, I'm an adult now, and I really need to find my own path. And if you explain that, if your parents love you, hopefully you can explain that in like a kind of a clear, calm way. Like, tell them, hey, guys, every time you talk to me about me having a boyfriend, I feel immense pressure and guilt and shame and it actually makes it harder for me to know what I want in the world and to go out there and maybe find that because I feel this weird pressure. And I know you probably don't mean for that to be happening, but that's what's happening. And then you communicate what you need. So I need you to not 
this is hard for so many people, man, and I get it, but I promise you this will change your fucking life if you can learn to draw your boundaries with the people you love and not close them off, not be cold, but hey, here's the line. If you cross this line, I'm probably just gonna leave for my own like well-being. And sometimes that's how it has to go for a minute is like you actually have to draw that boundary. So when it gets crossed, you don't freak out on them. You just go like, oh, I can't, like, I can't, I can't. I'm gonna, I love you, I'm out. And you do that enough times, they hopefully will start to respect it and maybe change how they relate to you. And you could tell them, hey, when you say this, I feel this and it doesn't work for me. What I need from you is to either not ask me about boyfriends or maybe ask in this way. If there's a way they could ask it for you, tell them, hey, I need you to ask like this or I need you to not talk to me about it at all because it's not your life, it's mine and I need to figure it out. And when you ask me this shit, it actually doesn't help me. Yeah, this is a thing for people. I know this one's about like boyfriends, but boundaries and family in that transition from adolescence to adulthood Really, any listener out there, like, ask yourself, do you feel like your family treats you like an adult or like an adolescent? And here's the tricky part. A lot of people might answer that and they go, no, they treat me like an adolescent. But then, <laughs> but then you go, so fuck them, I'm going to rebel. And it's like, ah, that's still being adolescent. Like, it's really hard to get out from this dynamic. It's really hard to choose to grow up and communicate with your family in a way that they kind of buy into it as well. It's really hard. There's that quote, you think you're enlightened, like go spend the holidays with your family. Like your family will pull you into all the old bullshit. So it's really about how you are relating to your family, how you are relating to your place in the family, the expectations. So good luck to everyone out there. It's a messy process, but man, my relationship with my family is so much better since I've individuated myself as best I can. And I, don't get me wrong, I love my family. I need the support from them. I love being able to call my mom and talk through a problem. I just can't have it turn to that parenting guilt, pressure, I think you're doing it wrong. Like, mm -mm. I told my mom at a certain point, like, yo, I have to learn to trust my decision-making process. Know that your voice is in my head, but I have to do this. Otherwise, I'm never going to fucking be grown. I'm not going to know how to get through things. Like, you have to let me. It's not even you have to let me. It's I'm doing this. That's how I drew the boundary. It was like, I'm doing this. Here are the things I won't engage with. Yeah, it's a beautiful process if you can really choose it for yourself. So good luck, Jersey girl. And also, you don't have to find a fucking boyfriend. You don't have to have a partner. If it doesn't feel right to you, you don't have to do that. There shouldn't be that pressure on it. That's just going to make it fucking worse. All you got to do is what, what matters to you? What's important to you right now? What are the problems you want to confront in your life? Maybe your family sees you being single as a problem that they want you to confront. If you don't see it like that, all good. What do you want to get to in your life? What do you want to level up, you know? And go for that. And then maybe you'll meet a guy or a girl along the way. Love cool. it. Next one is from J.M. Dinkins. He said, what does the constant urge to pack up and skip town mean? I want to go from Atlanta to like Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know Ray can this. relate. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know what it means for you. 
I know, I know like <laughs> what it makes me think of is that I think we all have like this eject button on our life fantasy. Mine's like a ranch in Montana. Mine's like, man, if I ever just want to abandon my entire <laughs> life and everything I've connected to and grown, but if I just want to get the fuck out, there's like this, this parallel life that I think a lot of us imagine. Like, oh, I could just go do that thing. I could just go join the Peace Corps. Like, and it's up to us to decide if we're really going to make that change, you know? And the urge to just go travel, I mean, I get it, man. Here's what you'll find. Here's what I found when I do these things is sometimes say yes to that urge. Sometimes fucking do it, man. Do it. Do it. Don't like. <laughs> just do it. Kind of. Like kind of just do it. Like don't. Don't deny that. If that urge is strong in you, don't deny it your whole life. Because, man, you'll get to like 60 and be like, what the fuck? Why did I not do it at least once? But I'll tell you, here's something you'll find and something many people who have listened to this urge and traveled have found along their journeys is it is amazing to get somewhere new. It is amazing to travel across the world. It is amazing to just change everything the fuck up and leave everything behind. And you will find when you're out there Whatever fucking problems you have that you think you're getting away from, they're there. They're there waiting. It's still you, man. You didn't escape anything. But travel can deepen your life. So I don't know. So that's my advice for it. Like sometimes say yes to that urge. At least once say yes to that urge and do a ridiculous leave the world behind for a month, you know, two months, whatever, six months. Go to Scotland, man. Raise some sheep. I don't know. But do it. Say yes to that urge in your life. And then also understand not to say yes to it every time because chances are you're probably trying to run from something that's like in your life and it's not going to go away. Awesome. Okay, this one is from Katie B2. She says, any advice on being a late bloomer? I haven't really dated and kind of embarrassed by this. I've never even been kissed and I'm in my late 20s. Is there still hope for me? My God. Man, I don't know. Fuck. I'll say you're not alone because I see it in the comments. Anytime I've had like virginity conversations or like dating conversations, you know, we talked about it like on the Ned spot. I think all of us like lost it at like 19 and we all felt late. And then I see so many people in the comments, like something like you, Katie, like I've never even been kissed. I'm in my late twenties. Like you're not alone. Is there still hope for you? Of course. Of course. Life is weird and huge and and you're only in your late 20s. There's a lot of life left. I don't want you to put yourself in unsafe situations. That's different. But you, you might have to like, might have to try, you know. You might have to put yourself out there a little bit. But I know that's scary when you have like no experience with it. I don't, I don't know. I started kissing people when I was like fucking eight, you know. Like <laughs> I've always been interested. Before kissing, I was Eskimo kissing, you know. Like we were, we were rubbing noses in kindergarten, you know what I mean? We were, what's that one called? Butterfly kissing. We were blinking our little eyelashes together at five. Like I've always been interested in commingling, you know what I mean? <laughs> so get into your late 20s. But yes, fuck yes, there's still hope. I think it probably needs to start with like, your own personal sense of intimacy with yourself, your own sense of taking care of yourself, your own sense of sensuality. We had uh, Hanukkah Patel on uh, the pod and like she literally like coaches sensuality, like the individual for your own sense of intimacy with yourself. 
I think that's probably where you're going to have to start. And I know that's hard because anytime I go through a long, lonely time, which happens often in my life, you know, it's, there's stretches where it's just me. I get it. You do probably start to believe or feel like, I don't even know. Am I a sensual being? Can I touch someone else? Like, am I lovable? Like, you, I get it. When you're just with yourself all the time, like, it can be hard to feel those things. But I think that's where it's going to need to start for you is awakening your own intimacy with yourself. I'm not even talking about sex. I'm talking about intimacy. Like, do you like feel comfortable in your body? And if not, how do you get there? Do you take care of your body? Do you know how to treat it? Like, do you go to the spa and get a little massage? Do you get the mani-pedi and the foot rub? Like, do you take care of yourself? Do you do things to make yourself feel beautiful, right? Like, I think it's kind of going to have to start with yourself. I don't think, I don't know. Life is kind of magical, but I don't know if it's been this long, if someone's just going to come along and pull you out of this loneliness. I think you're going to kind of have to face it and start being in relationship with that feeling with yourself. And then maybe see where you can add a little more love, a little more sensuality, a little more intimacy to your own life. You know, take yourself on a date. See what that's like. What do you love to do? Go do it. Some people are afraid to like eat meals alone. Like eat a meal alone and don't be on your phone. Like bring at least like a favorite book or something. Go to a movie by yourself and like try and enjoy it. Try and get comfortable like just being on your own because right now you are. And then maybe in that journey, you'll meet someone. I don't know. Also, put yourself out there. I don't mean like, date me, date me. I mean like, I don't know, is there something you're interested in that you can go try doing in like a group setting in your town? Like, uh, you know, I don't know, a dance class or a volunteer somewhere. Like kind of get, you got to get into the world. You got to get into your fucking life, man. No dude or or woman is just going to come along and like bestow life upon you. You got to do it. Yeah, that's what I got for you. And maybe travel if you can. I know some people feel limited in that regard and I get it, but like get out of your bubble. Go to a city, country you've never been and, and things are just different. Cultures are different. So people interact in different ways. Yeah, good luck out there. Be a late bloomer. It's okay. It's never too late to bloom, babies. Bloom. 40-year-old virgin. He bloomed at 40. And we all laughed and we all cried. I know that was a fictional movie, but you know what I mean. Bloom at 40, baby. (laughs) I love it. I also love this person's handle. This is from Tuna Sack. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Tuna Sack, huh? Yeah, they are asking, I'm not huge into drinking, so how would you go about meeting new people without going to bars and clubs? Tuna Sack, dude. You don't have to drink. Man, there's like a whole movement of sober activities. For real. I love drinking. (laughs) And I love the social kind of lubrication that it creates, right? It kind of opens things up. It makes it easier, right, to whatever. But you don't need any of that shit, man. Join like a local fucking kickball league. Like join like a local athletic, non-serious, but fun, a little competitive club sport, whatever. You know, we play beach volleyball in LA. Like I know there's tons of like fun. Yeah. Like literally a kickball league, like something that's athletic. Cause that's not, no one's drinking for that or it's not required. Plus you're getting active and then you're meeting people kind of in this team third space competitive setting and you might find friends there. So 
things like that. Like you got to get into kind of group activities. LA has so much shit. I don't know where you live, Tunisac, maybe in the <laughs> middle of the Pacific. I don't know. But there's got to be activities in your city. I know LA has tons, so we're a little spoiled. Is like not just athletic activities, but like group hikes and like meetups and volunteer stuff. And But man, bars and clubs aren't it, man. That's actually not a great place to meet people anyways. For me, bars and clubs are great to go with people I know. But meeting people, it's too fucking loud. What's your name? <laughs> Where are you from? <laughs> like every question requires all of my volume and energy. And by the end of three questions, I'm like, I don't give a shit. <laughs> Go away from me now. I'm going to hang with my friends. It's too fucking loud. So don't do that. Follow your interests to other spaces where you can interact with people in that interest. You know, good luck to you, Tuna Sack. <laughs> <laughs> Vibes. Okay, this one is a fun one for you from S. Belt. Aside from entertainment industry, what would be the dream thing for you to do? Man, I don't know. I love this life, man. I love it when I'm not depressed. I, there's so many things I could do in this world, man. Entertainment is clear. Creativity is just a part of who and what I am. It's just something that, like, it's how I relate to the world. So obviously entertainment is so big for me and being even if it wasn't on camera, off camera, part of that creative world, film sets, whatever. But I don't know, I could fucking work in a national park and be so fucking happy. Or like um, some people do like seasonal, like working at a ski lift for the winter and then da-da-da in the summer, like that life, that kind of transient, go with the seasons, engage with people and the world and nature, fully, full send, could be fully happy. There were times where I enjoyed the retail work I did. I wouldn't want to stay there forever. It's not sustainable. But like there were parts of that that I enjoyed for a time. I don't think I would ever lock into something and do it forever. It has to be something dynamic that constantly evolves or I constantly can change in. But there are so many things I could do and be happy. I could probably be a teacher and be happy except for not getting paid any money and you know the system not respecting me or caring about my value. But, but I could enjoy being a teacher and I love young people. I love seeing how kind of bright and creative kids are and sometimes how simple it is to give a kid just a little bit of like presence and how much it can affect them in a positive way. That was always huge for me growing up was teachers just really seeing me as a person in this world, like just their presence, giving me like just some attention and a little bit of guidance and a little bit, hey, let me show you how cool this is. I know that was always hugely impactful in my life. So that would be enjoyable for me. But there's so many things I could do that would be cool. But instead, I'm going to suffer pursuing art Ever. <laughs> uh, being a teacher is so Ned Bigby of you. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Love it. Yeah, it would be cute. I feel like if we ever did the reboot of Ned's, like Ned can't start as a teacher. The Ned's reboot would have to be Ned in adulthood trying to find his way. And I think the most beautiful ending mm. would be him actually finding his true adult purpose back in teaching. But he would have to go on a journey to get there. That's not where we begin. That would be the beautiful ending of Ned's adulthood survival guide, would be after all this trying to find his personal path and blah, 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 he discovers that he actually wants to teach 
and then he meets the little past him. He meets, he sees chills. this kid who's like struggling, <laughs> but wants to help another kid with tips. And then bam, that's the end of the reboot. There's the pitch Netflix. Parallel universe. <laughs> Check it out now. Thanks for your questions, guys. I love talking about life with you. It really is all these questions are like big topics that are worth discussing. And I'm glad you at least even had the courage to put them out there and ask. Sometimes even that moves our life along. It's just being willing to say, ah, you know, I actually am struggling with this thing with my family. And it actually starts to like move things because you didn't just hold it all the fuck in. So thanks for asking questions. I hope you got something from any of this. I'll see you in the comments. Subscribe, like, share. Merch is up now. Love you. See you next week. <laughs>